In Genesis chapter 17, uh, we finally made it to Genesis chapter 17. We've been in this study for over a year now in the book of Genesis. First 11 chapters all about creation. Really exciting. I love that section. Uh, but now we're in this study I've called Adventures with Abraham. Uh, his name has been Abram up until this point. Tonight we get the change of his name. And also tonight we get a very interesting section of scripture. Uh, you could title it all kinds of things, ouch or whatever. Uh, you'll see what I mean as we go through the text this evening. Uh, but this is really a great, a great portion of scripture where God re renews the covenant. Uh, he goes over the covenant that he's made with Abram, an important covenant for you and I to understand and grasp. So let's uh, bow in word of prayer and ask God's blessing on his word. Father, Tonight, as we come to your word, we do so with the utmost reverence, and we thank you, Lord, for its truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would just break through uh, our uh, preconceived ideas, maybe notions that we have, maybe falsehoods that we've been taught or heard, but your word would bring truth and life to us this evening. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, the writer of this text of Scripture, through its author, Moses. And we thank you, God, for the inspired word. And I pray that we, Lord, would see it thus, that we would see it as inspired and from you and that we would draw attention to it and, and draw life from it. So, Lord, we, we hold it high. We love you. We thank you for it. Teach us as we study it this evening together. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, this chapter really is a review um, like many portions of the scripture, you know, we get kind of the, the story and then we get a little review. And so this is somewhat review, but, but as we approach the text tonight, I think it's really important for you to understand that to us, this is ancient history, but to this man, Abram, it's happening in real time. So you've got to kind of put yourself in his place as you read through this text. You read it and you go, okay, I've heard that, okay, and you kind of, oh, it just goes through your brain and out your ears, and, but, but put yourself in Abram's place. This is very exciting to him. You see, it's been quite a few years since he's heard from the Lord. As you recall in the previous chapters, God spoke to Hagar, but he didn't speak to Abram or Sarai, but tonight he's going to meet with and have a discussion. He's going to appear before Abram, that's what makes this section so wonderful. And, and in order to uh, understand it, we, we need to realize a couple of facts. Number one, he's 99 years old. He, he's, he's getting on in years, you could say. But as he's walking with the Lord, he's growing day by day, month by month, year by year. He's growing in faith. That's what we are supposed to see as New Testament believers. We're to see this man, Abram, stumbling and walking and growing in his faith, just as we grow in our faith. None of us uh, come to faith in Christ, believe in Jesus Christ, we be, we're saved, and then become the super saints. That's not the way it works. We go through a life filled with trials and, and struggles and tribulations. Jesus said, in the world you'll have what? And then he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So you're going to go through it. We're all going to go through it. And God is with us as we go through it. And he wants us to grow. And he wants us to mature. And that's what we're seeing in the man Abram. It was back in chapter 12 when about 44 years before chapter 17. 
that Abram heard this. The Lord came to Abram. He didn't appear to Abram. It was a voice. And he spoke to Abram, and he said, get out of your country. Get away from your family. He was in Ur of the Chaldees. He said, get out of your country, and I want you to go to Canaan. I'm going to take you there. I'll show it to you, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and you will be a blessing, and your name will be great. That's what God told Abram. So he, he goes with his dad. Remember, they go up, up to Haran, and it took him a few more years to get to Canaan. He's learning to walk this life of faith. When he moves to Canaan, there was this difficulty, as you recall. Abram and his nephew Lot had these big herds of animals. They couldn't eat. There was a famine in the land. The animals didn't have enough grazing room. There began to be tussles and fights between the, the family, between Lot and Abraham. So there was this division, this split. And Lot, he goes, remember, he goes, pitched his tent down in the fertile valleys next to Sodom. And Abraham stayed up kind of in the mountains. There wasn't as much water up there, trusting God. So he's learning. But when the famine came, he goes down to Egypt. And you know the story. He's disobedient, and God brings him back. And he ends up um, going to war with the kings in the area to get his nephew, who gets, gets kidnapped and, and taken away, captive by Ketalomar and these five kings that really owned the area. They were from Ur, the Chaldees, and they came and they, they wanted to open this, tr- this trade route up, and, and so they kind of wiped out everybody in the way. Lot was in the way. They took him captive and all this stuff. Abram said, I, I got to go get my, my nephew. So he goes up north and, and uh, battles Ketalomar, and he beats him, whips him, and then he's fearing for his life. These are all things that we've studied, but, but just for you to remember, he's learning to grow in his faith. Now we get to chapter 17 tonight. He's learned to wait on God a little bit. He's kind of rushed, the, um, went out in front of God, but he's learning to wait on the Lord, and we're seeing this, this uh, emerge in his life. He, he waited until his wife, Sarai, came and said, you know what, we're getting really old, we, we need to have a child, God promised this child from us, but we don't have a child, and, and we're, we're really getting old, so here, take Hagar, my handmaid. And that's what we looked at last week, and they weren't waiting on the Lord at that moment in time. They, they had a child. He becomes a troublesome uh, to the world, this uh, Ishmael, the, the father of the Arab nations. Now, they're 99 years old, or he is, and, and she's about 90 years old. And now, God is going to come to them, and he's going to promise them a son from Abram's own body. This, this is going to come from you and Sarai. I, this is the way I planned it. This is what I want to happen. And you haven't trusted me, but now you'll know that it can't be a work of yours. It's not a work of man. It's a total and complete miracle. I mean, 99 years old, we would all agree that it would be a miracle. And that's really where we come to chapter uh, 17 tonight, verse 1, where Abram now hears from God. Notice it says, when Abram, verse 1, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him. So notice that he appeared. He didn't speak to him. He's actually in front of him. I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. 
Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, verse 6, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, verse 8, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, the first thing we notice as we come to the text tonight, and my first point, God appears to Abram. Again, he's 99 years old, verse 1, but it says the Lord appeared. That word in the Hebrew means to be made visible. So God is made visible here to Abram, and he speaks to him. And this is the first time that God's appeared to Abram. He's heard his voice. He's obeyed kind of, but now he's, God is right before him. God appears to him. This is obviously a Christophany in the Bible. This is Jesus taking the form of a body in the Old Testament and standing before uh, Abram at this point, Abram. He's, he's appearing here. So he took on this human appearance. That's Jesus, in my belief. And he stands before him, before his incarnation, on the earth. And notice also that God refers to himself. He's going to reveal something about his nature and his name. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, that God reveals all about his, his nature in his name. He calls himself El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the name, mean, meaning or translated here in our Bibles, God Almighty. Now, El is God. We have El El Yon. El Shaddai, uh, all kind, there's a lot of different L's, or God, and then the, the word that kind of describes his character. In this case, it's El Shaddai. Shaddai comes from the word Shaddad, meaning to display power, and that's why it's translated as Almighty God uh, in your Bible there. But that word is really interesting, that word Shaddai, Shaddad there in the Hebrew actually means, and you could translate it this way, but it, it actually means that, that God is going to pour out or God is going to shed his blessing. So some read this and see that this is God, the blessing God, because obviously he's going to bless uh, Abraham for being obedient. But th- that word, I believe, better translated almighty, so that's why it's translated almighty God here in this text. And notice what God tells Abram, that he was expected. He, I, I expect this of you. This is what I want from you. I'm the Almighty God, but I expect from you. Notice what it says there, to walk before me, what? Blameless. To walk before him blameless. That is what God requires of you and I as his children. We talked about that last Sunday morning uh, when we were in 1 John. And that we are not to be worldly. We're to be separate from the world, right? And God always expects his people to be separate than the evil in the world, than those that are anti-God in the world. 
God wants us to live a separate life. He wants us to live a holy life. And so that's what he says to him. He stands before him in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm God Almighty, and this is what I expect. I want you to walk before me blameless. So this is the first time that, that he appears to Abram personally. And I believe it's because he wants to make his covenant personal to him as well. The word blameless literally means whole. God wants a total commitment from Abram, just like he wants a total commitment from you. When you gave your heart to Christ, you didn't just say, okay, well, I'll follow Jesus because it's kind of the cool thing to do, or my parents do it, so I'll do it too. No. When you come to Christ, you're all in. You either believe in Jesus and who he is, or you don't. You don't kind of do halfway in, halfway out. You're all in, and that's what he's saying here, be, to be blameless or to be whole as well. That's exactly what God wants from each and every one of us. Surrender. He wants absolute obedience to his word. We see that in the Old. We see that in the New Testament as well. Then God reminds Abram here that he has not forgotten the covenant. He's going to remind Abram, here's the covenant I made years and years ago with you. It's the same one, but he's going to remind him of that covenant. He says in verse 2, I will make my covenant between you and, or me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. That was the covenant that you're, from you are, is going to come, from your body is going to come this, your descendants here. So Abram, he's really become a man of faith. He's starting to believe more and more and more. He's walking with the Lord through the many trials, through the difficult situations that we've seen him in. And we see here that, that God is confirming his covenant now with Abram. And he's going to do that in a real interesting way in verses 5 and 6. He does it by giving him a new name. Now, this is another wonderful thing. If you, you Bible students, when you read the Bible, you know the, the name. God changes people's names, and we get a new name when we get to heaven, right? So this is really important to understand these things. Look at verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So this is going to be a real encouragement. Can you imagine? Abram uh, is before the Lord God. He falls before him as we all would in this encounter. And then God begins to promise him these things, and he gives him this new name. He changes his name from father of many. 99 years old, doesn't have a child, and his name is Father of Many. Can you imagine the stigma of that? Hey, what's your name? Father of Many. And you go, like, you don't have any kids. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But God changes his name. He still doesn't have any kids. He's got, well, he has one. He has this one child, and I don't know how much he's talking about him. He's 13 years old. It's Ishmael. But, but now his name is going to go from Father of of many, and he's only got one child here in, in chapter 17, and now he's going to be given the name Abraham, which means father of many nations, not many kids, but many nations. Again, his name would have been hard to repeat, and I was thinking about this whole thing. How would he explain his name to other people? Abraham, you know, after this encounter, can you see him? He, he comes home. 
he walks home, and, and there's Sarai sitting there. And he comes up to Sarai, and he says, honey, God just changed my name. Sarai, Sarai says, like, like, what did he give? What name do you have? Did God name you childless? I mean, that's kind of where you're at. No, no, God named me father of many nations, Abraham. Do you ever wonder when you read this how she reacted? It's interesting, and we're going to see more of her reaction next week in chapter 18. But there are many wonderful name changes in the Bible. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, Genesis 32. We'll see that in a few months. Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. We see that in Mark 3. But every one of God's children, when we get to heaven, are going to be given a new name. Notice this scripture here in Revelation 2. To him who overcomes, that's kind of a wonderful thought. If you've studied Revelation, you understand that. But we're overcomers in Christ. We overcome sin because of all that Jesus has done. We're overcomers. I'm going to give a new name. There are other things. He gives a stone and some other things. I, I just wanted to focus on the name in this verse. A new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. God gives us a new name. No, again, nobody knows. We don't know what that name is. But I, I believe it has something to do with our forever relationship with, with Jesus Christ. It's going to be a glorious name, whatever it is, and we're all going to have it. We're all going to have that name. And you might have a, 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 another name that, that speaks of your faithfulness on this planet or speaks of your diligence here or whatever, but we're all going to have the same name. And it's, it's not, you know, like Messiah, Jesus Christ. Christ is, is the title. It's not a name. And a lot of people say, well, that's his last name. No, he's Messiah. So we're going to be given this new name, but it's going to associate us forever with the Lord and our new heavenly family in earth, or in heaven. And it really reveals that each and every one of us have this beautiful and wonderful personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to be an, an awesome thing. But here in, in our text tonight, El Shaddai, Almighty God, he promises Abram two things, and these are things that we've already read and understand. Number one, you're going to have a big family. In verse 4, you shall be a father of many nations. So your family's going to be big. It's, there's going to be a lot of people in your family. And then in verse 6, this is an inter interesting statement here in verse 6. And kings shall come from you. Now, I, I believe, you know, the kings of Israel, obviously, but also the king of Israel. I believe this includes Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3, notice what Paul says in Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed, that's his family, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So I believe this inference here, kings will come from you, is, is the seed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, here in verse 8 through 14, this is interesting. God gives Abraham this sign. This is the sign of the covenant. This is the part of the scripture that's, that's really interesting. These are, these, this sign is specific to, to Jews, to, to Abraham and his family, his descendants. Notice verse 9. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants 
after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants forever. Forever, Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign, this is a sign, of the covenant between me and you. Now, you might sit there and think, where is he going to go with this? That's why I named this, ouch, the study. (laughs) Circumcision here, besides being painful for Abram, because he's 99 years old, and we'll find out he's going to be circumcised as well. But circumcision is a sign. It indicates obedience and receiving the covenant by faith. And only those that were circumcised were the ones that had received the covenant. This covenant was between God and all of Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people. This covenant was made known through the sign of circumcision. Also, there were undoubtedly hygienic reasons for this as well in the ancient world. Henry Morris, Dr. Morris, and I love reading his commentary, the Genesis record, he says that there was a study done in the late 1900s that showed an extremely low rate of cervical cancer in Jewish women because most had husbands that were circumcised. And so there was a cleanliness issue with this as well. Another reason for circumcision, and this one is a little more um, personal, but, but because it deals with the organ of procreation, this is a reminder, circumcision is a reminder of the, the special seed of Abraham, which would ultimately bring the Messiah. There's, you could tie all of these different things into this sign. You could see... Uh, some reasonable argument for these different things. I'm not going to argue any basic one of those. I'm just going to present them to you. I believe they're all viable here. But here's what circumcision means to you and I as New Testament believers. Circumcision represents separation, the cutting away of the flesh as a sign. In males... In the Jewish male, this cutting away of flesh is a sign that we are part of God's covenant. We are part of God's covenant people. We belong to this land. We are, we are one family. Our Abraham is our father. And so it brought them together, but it was a sign specifically for the covenant. For you and I as believers, it represents being separate from worldliness, separate from the world. And when I say that, even talking about it Sunday, I can see some people just um, misunderstanding what I mean by that. That doesn't mean that you and I as Christians look at everyone walking down the street and say, oh, they have cooties, I'm not going to talk to them, I'm going to stay away from them. Not at all. We're called to engage and to live in this world. But we are supposed to separate ourselves from the things of the world and and those specific things that are wrong and evil and opposed to God that God's called sinful. Christians aren't to be a part of those things. We're not to do that. We are to separate ourselves. So circumcision, which is cutting away of flesh, we are spiritually circumcised because we cut ourselves off from, separate ourselves from those 
things. So this is a spiritual sign for you and I as New Testament believers. Let me show you what I mean. Philippians 3.3, Paul says, For we are the, notice, circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in what? The flesh. It's a spiritual thing. Uh, it's a spiritual. You and I as Christians, women and men, we're spiritually circumcised. We're separate from the world. That's what he means there. It's obviously a spiritual circumcision applied to us as New Testament believers. It means we're putting off those worldly things. We separate ourselves from sin. Here's another verse, Colossians. Paul says to the Colossians, In him you were also circumcised, spiritually speaking, in Christ, with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by separating ourselves from those sins, and notice, by the circumcision of Christ. So, so in Christ, we have separation from sin. It's a beautiful truth when you look at that. You and I have cut away the flesh, just like the Old Testament Abrahamic covenant and the sons of Abraham had to go through this painful ritual of circumcision, cutting away the flesh. We, as New Testament believers, we fulfill this covenant in a spiritual way by separating ourselves from the flesh. They had to do it physically. We do it spiritually and, and purposefully. We, we stop doing those things that we used to do in our before Jesus days, before Christ days, BC days. Those things that you used to do that were really bad, that we won't talk about anymore, that, that God's forgiven you for, those things that were sinful. And finally, I love this section in Romans. There's a whole, this whole chapter is about it. But in Romans 2.28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one where? Spiritually. We're spiritual Jews. We've been circumcised just like, but it's a spiritual circumcision. And circumcision is that of the heart. So I hope you get the, the understanding here. That's, we don't just look at this as history and this is only applicable to Abram and the Jews. It's applicable to you and I. We just don't have to do this. There's, no, there's nothing in the scripture that says we have to do it. Now, notice here in verse 12, he who is eight days old among you shall be. So every child that was eight days and older had to be circumcised, every male child in your generations. So God's telling Abraham, here's how you carry it out. This is what it, who it applies to. Every male child who is born in your house or slaves bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. Verse 13, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money, must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So this was a sign to them. It was an everlasting covenant. This was the obedience. They had to do it. If you chose not to do this, just like if you choose not to believe in Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. Oh, but I go to church. I I do holy things. I'm really nice to my neighbor. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're not born again. You're not safe. If, as a Jew in Abram's day before Christ, if you didn't become circumcised, you weren't, you weren't appropriating God's covenant. 
You, you, there would be no blessings. There would be no, in fact, we'll see what happens to those that didn't accept it. But here's the question that I came up with as I was reading this today. Why eight days? Why not wait till they're older? Why, you know, we, we chose as parents to do this to our children for cleanliness reasons, and we studied things. And some people do, some people don't. We chose to do that. Um, but here's some evidence. Henry Morse, again, uh, gives us this evidence. An infant's immune system is at its highest level eight days after it's born. Now, I'm not a doctor. I looked at this, and I saw some good, credible evidence for that, so that's why I'm sharing that with you. There's also this vitamin K Vitamin K is what helps your blood clot. And vitamin K is real minimized in a child's blood until they're seven days old. And then after seven days, vitamin K is there. Blood clots faster on the, after the seventh day of life. Look at verse 14. And the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people because he's broken my covenant. So you had to do this. This was your responsibility. But it was a personal decision. You see some, not for an eight-year-old, but for some of these older people that are in Abram's family, they had to choose to do this. Just like we have to choose Christ. You have to believe in Jesus to be saved. You, you just don't walk around and, and realize that you're saved one day. You're saved because the gospel comes into your heart. You receive it. You hear it and receive it. And then you believe in Jesus Christ and you're saved. These people... In their case, they're walking by faith. Remember, Abraham's father faith. So they're walking by faith, and they believe in God and the covenant by being circumcised. Really interesting. Those, again, who rejected it, they rejected the sign of the covenant. They rejected by faith these things. They, they were disobeying the Lord, and they would be separated from, from um, this fellowship, really, Bottom line for Christians today is we can do it or not. In other words, you can circumcise your baby or not. So I'm not telling you men that are in this room right now, if you really want to be spiritual, go get circumcised. I'm not saying that. You know that I'm not saying that. <laughs> You're probably going, Pastor Lee, please don't make me do this. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because as we've looked at the scriptures, it's a spiritual uh, cutting of, off of the flesh, separation from uh, worldly things or from sin. Physical circumcision will not make anyone closer to God. No, not now. In fact, Paul says this. I like this verse here, Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. It's faith in Christ, it's belief in Jesus. That's what does it, not rites or rituals, which this obviously is. Now remember, yeah, praise the Lord. Remember that God had promised Abraham a son. But he, it's really interesting, he's never identified the mother. That's why maybe Sarai got anxious and said, we need to have a child through my handmaid. I believe that God in his word now is going to shock him. This is interesting. And God is going to promise now not only Abram, but Sarai, his wife. This is beautiful. My next point, a promise for Sarah. Look at verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah 
shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Now, this is interesting. First time he's mentioned her. They obviously got confused. Well, we we need to help God. Remember, we talked about that before. No, God doesn't need our help. We just need to wait on the Lord. And God's now promising through Abraham. He's saying, I'm going to deal with your wife, and I want you to, I'm changing her name, Sarai means like lady or my princess, and it really is confined to like just a family, so it's more of a family name, like you call your wife your princess or your daughter. It's a family kind of a thing, but Sarah means the princess of many, princess of a multitude, so her name has changed from just like the family princess to now she's the princess of many nations. That's where, what her name means there, and God makes it clear that from her is going to come a son, not from a surrogate mother like they had thought, not like Hagar or an Ishmael, but Sarah, Abraham's wife, is going to give birth, even though she's 90 years old. This is another amazing, amazing miracle, and notice Abram's response. Here it is right here in verse 17. Then Abram fell on his face, and notice, he starts laughing. He falls on his face and he's laughing. Now, I, I try to picture the scene over and over again. I see this very old, and, and I, in my mind, he's frail. Maybe he wasn't. I, I just see him that way, 99 years old. And now he falls down on the ground. He can't even stand because he's laughing. He's laughing at this news. Now, he's not laughing at God. He's not mocking God. He's really rejoicing like, finally, ah, and he's laughing. He's, he's just overjoyed here, and he begins to laugh as the Scripture says. And he, he says this. He says, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? He knows he's 99, so he's going to be 100 by the time his son's born. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now, that word, laugh, is really interesting. It's, it's uh, saka. Saka is the word, and it means really to laugh out loud. He, he fell down, and he began to laugh. He's shocked in a sense, but, he, but he's rejoicing. He's overjoyed that this is going to happen now. And, and, he, and God is telling him that he and his older wife, they're going to have a child, and, and they're way beyond their childbearing years. And then he gets up and he says this in verse 18. And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So he's laughing about this child that's going to come from him and Sarah. And then he remembers his son. He remembers he has a son. He has this son, Ishmael. He says, God, uh, you're not forgetting my son Ishmael, are you? Did you forget my son Ishmael? That's really what he's saying. What what are you going to do with him? Now, so... This indicates that Abraham loved his son. He loved Ishmael. And we believe he was about 13 years old at this time. So why should another child be born? God, what what are you doing? I I have a son, and and through him, can't you just work this out through him? Because first he's laughing at him and his wife. We're going to have a baby. This This is funny. And then what about my son? He remembers his son. And then God said, verse 19, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear your son, and you shall call his name Laughter. 
Isn't that funny? Isaac, that's what that means, laughter. I will establish my covenant with Isaac, with him, for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. Now, did God name Isaac laughter because Abram laughed? I, I'm not sure. It sounds like it. It's possible. Again, Abraham's laughing because he's way beyond childbearing years, he and, and Sarah. And so God says, name him laughter. No, it's not going to be Ishmael. No, I haven't chosen him. That's something you did in the flesh, and I, it's not going to be honored by me. I'm going to do a miracle. I've chosen to do it between you and Sarah, your wife. This is how it's going to happen. So he gives him a clear no there in verse 19. And then notice here in verse 20, Abram's sons are blessed. Both of them are going to get blessed. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I, I know you love him. I, I hear your, your desire that, that he won't be forgotten. I, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, God says to Abraham. And I'm going to make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. And he shall beget 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But, verse 21, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. In one year, you're going to have a child, and his name is going to be, and I'm going to establish my covenant, because this has got to be me and me alone as God. God's going to do all of this. It can't be man and his flesh. It has to be a full work of God. I love this truth here. Ishmael is also going to get blessed because Abraham kind of intercedes for his son. But the covenant will only go through Isaac. Now notice in the last section here, Abraham's obedience. Or you could <laughs> title this section, The Painful Results of Abraham's Obedience. And you'll see why as we read. Then he finished talking with him, verse 22. And God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael his son, all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day. As God said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, verse 25, his son was 13 years old, and he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and his son Ishmael, and all the men of his house, born in the house, or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Now, this is interesting. These verses, they really stress the importance of obedience, don't they? they? As painful as it was, Abraham was in charge. He was 99. He ran the family, and everybody obeyed. Obviously, that's what the Scripture is indicating here. Or they would be cut off. So he's going to do this. He's cut off, meaning they would either die or they would be sent out of the family. And so all of these people now, out of obedience... Their response is, is obedient. Abram is calling them to obedience, and they themselves are being obedient by faith. They're doing it all by faith. 
God's command is always to the believer responded to out of obedience and by faith. Sometimes we don't understand everything. And believer, this is a really important thing for you to, to know. God's calling is God's enabling. God's desire for you, if it's biblical, if it's something in the scripture that's clear and concise and God calls you to do it, like love your neighbor, like help someone out, like share the gospel, all those things. You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to go, but you need to be obedient by faith. And as you're obedient by faith and, and, and do those things, God will honor that. God will bless that. We see that over and over again. We see it in the life of Abraham as he's growing in his faith. Again, think about his life. His whole life, his primary focus has been really on this promise. It's been 44 years since chapter 12 where God says, separate yourself, I'm going to make you a great name, I'm going to bless people because of you. 44 years and nothing had happened. Now he's 99. He's, he's kind of lost faith in a way, but, but he's trusting the Lord, growing more and more, and finally he's obedient. And this is going to take an act of, of his will and an act of obedience on the part of his sons, his 13-year-old boy and all these other people and even himself to have this circumcision done. He's going to do it obediently. And, and he's focused on this getting a family, going, leaving Ur of the Chaldees and making this great nation. He's really focused on that. But it took. It took months and even years, 44 years. Christian, I don't know how old you are in the, in the Lord. Some of the things of maturity in the Lord, they take time. Don't give up. Would you Please don't give up. Because God's blessings are coming. They're coming to you. Just don't give up. I am really encouraged in our fellowship to see young musicians, young Sunday school teachers, the young guys that are right now down in Mexico doing the gift giver thing. There's Eddie, Kenny, Chris. Is Christopher down there? No? Eddie. And, and uh, Albert, right? These, these young men from our fellowship, they're down there serving the Lord. And we have many examples of young men security and, and uh, Sunday school, and it's just a blessing for me to see that. And I want to encourage them as an older man to stay with it, to grow in your faith. Christian, if you're older and moldy and bored with the Lord, and I, I say that respectfully, if you're just like, okay, I'm just coming to church again because it's just a thing to do, and you don't get excited about God's word or about being obedient, then, then there's something wrong. You're an example to the younger believer in this fellowship. It's important for you women to stand up and be uh, teaching the younger ones. It's important for you, older men, and I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. It's important for you to stand up and be a better example to them. We, We need to encourage one another. As the day's approaching, we need to encourage one another to, to be obedient to the word of God. So here it is, this Abraham. He's growing in faith. He comes to this test of his faith, and God's promised to bless him. So he obeys the Lord. Now, in closing, if it took Abraham a lifetime to really hold on to the riches of God's grace, if it took him a long time to learn it and to walk in it, how long is it going to take you? That's where I say stick with it. Hang on. Don't stop. 
as a believer. Don't, don't, don't go 20 years or 40 years in your Christian life and say, you know, I'm so set in my pattern, in my way, I'm just going to do my thing. But you know what? You're part of the body of Christ, so be a member of it. Don't just be a single lone ranger. I'm, I'm who I am. I'm set in my ways. Share the things that God has put on your heart. Share life experience with other believers. Come to men of the master and, and, and enjoy fellowship with other younger men. Come to the women's Bible study. Be a participant in, in some way in the church and serve and grow and, and, and see your faith to grow, develop and grow. Don't just become stagnant, but move forward and, and move on. That's what Paul's message was over and over in the New Testament. The more I study Abraham's life, the more I look at my life and I think, I just want to grow closer to the Lord day by day. I want to be like Abraham. I, I don't get it all right. I'm not all right in every place, but I'm learning and growing. And as I go through trials and I put my faith and obedience in God, God blesses it. God wants to bless you. He's a blessing God. He's, he's El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. He can take care of any of your problems. You just need to be obedient to him. Faith and dependence and trusting his word. The more I read the scriptures, the more I read the Bible, the more I learn about the love of God. I just want to be closer to him. I want to be obedient to him. Again, think about Abraham. God spoke to him, and then it was years later, God appeared to him as he's growing, as he's growing by faith. God finally appeared to him. Abraham talked to God. He interacted with God. He laughed in God's presence. He had this personal, wonderful relationship uh, with God. And later, later on, the Scripture is going to call Abraham something very important, it's found in the scripture here, James 2. Notice this verse. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called, look at this, the friend of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That is an awesome truth. I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to be a friend of God. And God offers that relationship with anyone who believes. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll do that if you haven't done that. And for those of us that are older believers, we just need to keep, keep growing through obedience. We need to cut off the flesh, separate ourselves Spiritually, that's circumcision. That's how it works in our lives. And live for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for this text of Scripture. And, and Lord, as we uh, looked at it, and, and I pray as, as I compared it to uh, the New Testament, um, and, and we really do understand what it means. We, we see the implications of uh, the Old Testament act as well as the New Testament reality for us, um, cutting away, the, the moving away, separating ourselves from the flesh and, and its desires. I pray, Lord, that you would bless these, your people, encourage their hearts. Lord, help them in their jobs and in their parenting. Give them, Lord, just wisdom as they walk day by day and trust you. Give us all a hunger to love and serve one another. And Lord, may your church grow. Um, and I don't talk specifically about this one, but your church, may your kingdom come. May we share Jesus with others so your kingdom would continue to grow until you
decide on that day when you'll call us home. And we'll love you and we'll thank you in Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together.